Welcome to Storm Stories, a podcast about the effects of hurricanes on coastal North Carolina. I'm Laura Bratton, your host and producer. You're listening to the first episode of season two. In season one, we brought you individual stories of community members affected by Hurricane Florence. In this season, we'll see what recovery from the storm looks like a year and a half down the line for different groups of people. For our first episode, we're looking at an issue that's yet to be resolved, housing. To get a better grasp on the housing crisis after Florence, I spoke with four women who look this problem in its face on a daily basis in New Hanover and Pender County. Their names are... Jacqueline Hand. Margaret Wilson. Michelle Lomer. Audrey Hart. We'll start with Jacqueline. Jacqueline lives in Pender County. She lost her home in Florence, and she's been living in a FEMA trailer for less than a year. I met Jacqueline outside her home in Burgall on a Friday. We sat on the porch of her gutted house and talked, interrupted once every 10 minutes by the rare sound of a passing car. I'm originally from a little town called Atkinson. It's west of uh, where I am now, Burgall. I married in 75, and then I, I moved to the White Stocking area. Jacqueline is a retired widower. Her husband worked for the Department of Transportation and passed away in 2016. She worked for Head Start for over 30 years, but retired just before Hurricane Florence. Jacqueline's lived in this house for 20 years, and her last home in Burgall was taken by another hurricane, Floyd. Are being evacuated. Shelters are already open and schools have been closed. Floyd will continue to move west The first house that we had here was lost in Hurricane Floyd. So this is the second home. Floyd, <laughs> Floyd pretty much took that whole house out. I mean, even the foundation was moved on that home. We had to stay in a, um, a camp, a camp around here called Camp Kurtwood. We stayed in Camp Kurtwood for about, I want to say about three or four months. We just went on and just bought this uh, manufactured home and put it in here in uh, 2000. So hurricanes aren't new for her. And she says the worst part, especially after Florence, is the toll it takes on your mental health. We lost everything in the home except for the ceiling fans, walls, floors. That's a, that's a lot to, to, to digest at one time. When you come in and you see everything toppled over and everything gone. Jacqueline says there was a huge issue finding space at shelters or getting temporary housing in Pender County during and after Florence. So she and her two kids and grandson stayed with family in Atkinson for six months. Well, this whole area, from the, the river landing, which is about a mile down the highway here, all the way back out to 53, every home was affected. No one was spared. The county was pretty much in a housing desert. There was no place to even rent. And even at that time, even if you found somewhere to rent, you don't have a bed, you don't have a pillow, you don't have... And the toughest thing about moving in with family is not the family don't want you. On the individual that's actually moving in on that person, you feel like you're putting them out, you're changing their way of life. And you really don't want to do it, even with family, you know. Ten people in, in a three-bedroom house on a weekend, it's pretty crowded, you know. Eventually, she and her two kids and grandson got the FEMA trailer they applied for six months after the storm. 
Jacqueline says the hard part about the chaos of moving from one place to the next are the things she usually enjoys, like Christmas. It could be the happiest time of the year, but then again, it could be the saddest time of the year. And you used to having lights around you and, you know, and Christmas trees. I mean, it's little things, but those are the kind of things that sometimes uh, will bring joy to people. It's just, I, I don't know what it is about it, but it can be so sad. In the meantime, Jacqueline got back to the drawing board, deciding what to do about her home. It was so much going on trying to even come up with a plan. You know, this house, is it repairable? Do you want to move that house? Rebuild that house? Then the county saying, hey, you may have to elevate the house. I can't elevate the home. There's not enough money to take the home up in the air. But she ultimately decided to rebuild her house. Because you know what? Who's to say if I took this home and put it on a hill that a tornado wouldn't take it? After she decided to go forward with rebuilding plans, Jacqueline spent over six months trying to find a contractor. They'll answer your call and not show up for your call, and it took a long time. So now here I am almost a year in with trying to find a contractor. And a lot of them were coming from, I want to say, out west. Some of the ones that I met came from the west. Uh, you have to be careful because when you start getting estimates and they're telling you, oh, I can work with you, just, you know, give me your insurance money. And <laughs> you have to be careful of those kind of things because they'll get your money and they'll get out of the area. I asked Jacqueline about the financial burden of rebuilding her home. She said insurance is taking care of it. She hasn't had to dip into her retirement funds yet. And she's hoping the rebuild will be done soon. The insurance money is definitely a big help, but it won't put you back to where you was. It won't, you won't ever get back to where you was. But yeah, so that's where we are right now. And hopefully um, in the next month or so, we can, we can be back. What you've been describing, it seems like it's just been one obstacle after another trying to get back into your house. What's keeping you going? I try to stay focused and positive about things. Uh, I, I try not to let things worry me. I, I've gotten better at it, you know. Hey, just let it roll off. Because if if it's not life-threatening, I ain't going to worry about it too much. You know, I'm going to go home to sleep at night. <laughs> Do you ever think about just picking up and leaving, starting over in a new place? Well, the thing of it is, I've been here 40-some years. And this for some folks, you know, your roots grow deep, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you home, and you consider it home, and if you can stay there, that's where you want to, to stay. So, For now, Jacqueline's waiting for her home to get finished. But now, she's facing yet another obstacle. That trailer she's staying in, FEMA says she and others staying in FEMA trailers across the state have got to be out by March 14th, weeks or possibly months before her home is ready to be lived in. Otherwise, they'd have to pay about 1400 a month in rent or buy the trailers. When I asked her about the deadline, she says she's trying not to sweat it. She doesn't have time for extra stress. And if she has to, she'll make something work. Margaret lives a few doors down from Jacqueline. Her home is further along in the rebuild process, and she hopes to be back by the end of February. She's been living in a FEMA trailer waiting for construction to finish. 
Her family, her life, her history, it's here in this house. It's here in this community. I'm originally from Burgo, North Carolina, here in the community of White Stocking. I've been in this house 38 years, and I raised my two children here. In fact, when I was a little girl, my grandfather's house was right here, right here where my house is now. Basically, this community is built up of family, everybody. The aunts, the uncles, the great aunts, the, the great uncles, you name it. When a community gets torn up and it's basically family, that's sad because you don't have anyone to go stay with because all your family's in the same situation that you are. You, I lost my neighbors. They aren't coming back. They said they just couldn't take it anymore. There are some people that's older than I am. They lost everything they worked for, and they 70 and 75 and 80. I mean, we lost our church, and it's, it's a lot of history that has been destroyed because it's gone. So some things we're never going to replace, but only the memories that we hold in our minds and hearts. Like Jacqueline, Margaret had to decide what to do after her home was destroyed. It's like anything else that you lose something that you've worked for all your life. Now I'm retired and I was just thinking, how am I going to put it back or what am I going to do? And like Jacqueline, Margaret decided to rebuild. The one reason for wanting to stay here is, is community, is family, is love. And a lot of memories have been built here, you know, so it would be hard to give it up. All, all seem like all 50 states have come in and just basically said, what can I do to help? And the volunteers, and basically that's how I'm getting back in my home because I did not have enough insurance money to compensate for the damages that I had occurred here. So it's, it's hard. I've learned a lesson from this. You have to appreciate what you have while you have it because it's here today and it's gone today. Margaret's also got the looming March deadline on her FEMA trailer. And now FEMA is telling me that I need to be out by March the 2nd. If not, I'm going to have to pay $1,400 a month in rent. And I feel like if someone could pay $1,400 a month rent, I could have been back in my house if I could find somebody to work on it. For That's, that's kind of steep for me. My heart goes out to the people that have not even started on their homes. What are they going to do? It just wasn't enough time. And I mean, they say we, they were going to give us 18 months. But 18 months started the day of the storm, when half of us didn't know whether we were going or coming. Despite the stress, she's just focusing on getting her house back. Just work towards the goal, getting out of the trailer. I have no other choice. Michelle is a resource manager for a disaster relief group called DART ILM, which stands for Disaster Area Relief Team of Wilmington. Her team works in the White Stocking area of Burgaw with Jacqueline, Margaret, and their neighbors to get them back into their homes. She started by telling me a little bit about what her job means. As needs for them come up, it's my job to hunt them down. Let's say they need a washer and dryer. It's my job to find a washer and dryer for them or somebody to provide that for them. And how many people have been able to get back into their homes? Just to give you an idea, we are working with a neighborhood of about 25 houses, and we still have eight families in FEMA homes, just from those 28, 25 families. I also asked Michelle why she thinks it's taking as long as it is, and she said that this is actually pretty typical for recovery from a hurricane. It's just been slow going. You know, it starts off, you know, you muck it and you gut it, you 
take everything out of it and get it all clean. Then you treat it for mold. Then you can start putting in the framing and the flooring and, you know, basically rebuilding from the inside out. And this is if there's not a roof that has to be repaired first. You know, they, they will tell you that the average recovery time from a hurricane is, you know, three to five years. Michelle says that after Florence, there was a lack of affordable temporary housing. You know, people were desperately trying to find a place to stay. And a lot of the mobile home parks um, were absolutely flooded and didn't have any, any place where they could stay there either. While people like Jacqueline and Margaret are in FEMA trailers for now, Michelle expresses the same concern as Margaret about the upcoming move-out deadline. That program ends March 14th. Like, and I'm not telling, saying that they should extend the entire state of North Carolina because most counties don't need that extension. But Pender County has enough people in it. They need that extension. They need, they need a countywide extension. And I don't know. I'm afraid that we will see people living in, I think that, you know, if they have to give up their FEMA trailer, we're going to see, you know, people, some overcrowding situations. We're going to see people living in homes that are not ready to be lived in yet. Um, so that's, you know, opening them up for some dangerous situations. But I don't think that they'll have any choice. And these the people have said, well, why can't they move somewhere else? And I'm like, well, because that's not free either. So Michelle continues to work to get people back in their homes and fend off deadlines. And she's not the only one. 30 miles away in New Hanover County, Audrey is confronting the same issues. Audrey has been working for New Hanover Disaster Coalition, the county's long-term disaster recovery group, since April 2019. The group was formed a couple weeks after Florence hit to consolidate countywide recovery efforts. They work with over 80 partners, which are everything from businesses to government entities to faith-based organizations, to make sure hurricane survivors' needs are getting met. Like Michelle, she says her biggest concern right now is making sure people have housing. Oh, man. It's, it is rough. I think housing was a big issue even before Florence. I think Florence just kind of opened the community's eyes. Audrey says a big issue with finding temporary housing after Florence was that everyone was looking for rentals. High to moderate income families were renting while their homes were getting repaired, which raised prices and left low to moderate income families with fewer options. It just took away the complete housing affordability that, I mean, we already didn't have it, but it, it man, it was impacted in, in a big way after Florence because of that piece. So... What did people who lost their homes but couldn't afford to rent do? Some people are still sleeping in their cars. Some people are still in um, emergency shelters, um, like a Good Shepherd or Salvation Army. Now that Salvation Army shelter is back open. And uh, couch surfing. How many people are still homeless today? That number is very hard to calculate, so we don't have a number for that. Um, but... According to the McKinney-Vento program that, that we heard from, there are still 162 children that are homeless because of Hurricane Florence. That's just children. Fortunately, 116 families in New Hanover County were able to get FEMA trailers. But, like in Pender County, the FEMA program ends before their homes will be finished. And a lot of the folks that are staying in there are the um, elderly seniors and uh, residents of Cape Fear Hotel. And if you've ever driven by a Cape Fear Hotel recently, you will see that there is uh, not a whole lot happening there. 
She says that even besides the holdup on construction of Cape Fear Hotel, there's an issue getting people back in their homes because rebuild programs are short on volunteers. A lot of their concern is, we don't have enough volunteers to rebuild all of these homes. I mean, our, our wait list is uh, probably over 100 people right now. So what do we take from all this? There's an affordable housing crisis, and people from Florence are still out of their homes. In the short term, we can volunteer for places like DART ILM, WARM, Rebuilding Together, Habitat for Humanity, and other local nonprofits that need volunteers to get these homes ready. If you're looking for volunteer opportunities, email New Hanover Disaster Coalition through the contact page on their website, newhanoverdisastercoalition.org. As for the long term, we'll tackle that in our upcoming episodes. You've been listening to Storm Stories. Storm Stories is a project of the nonprofit arts and media organization Working Narratives, which is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. To learn more about Storm Stories, visit www.workingnarratives.org. Funding for Storm Stories was provided in part by the Democracy Funds NC Local News Lab Fund, Unitarian Universalist Veach at Shelter Rock Foundation, and generous individuals like you. I'm your host, producer, and editor, Laura Bratton. Thanks for listening. Music provided by Cambo Music. Sound effects by All Sounds and Fairy Frequency. Special thanks to DART ILM, New Hanover Disaster Coalition, Ren Smith, Nick Saberla, and everyone that made this podcast possible.